Aloha. Welcome to LDS Real People Real Lives podcast. I am Stephanie Colvin. I am your host coming to you from beautiful and sunny Southern California as we are in spring 2021 and it is absolutely gorgeous. I'm always, always so impressed with the creativity of Jesus Christ when he created this beautiful earth for us to have this experience on. Thank you for returning and if you're new, welcome. family member of mine left the church and it's it's been it's we're still talking about it it's still a process and I think it will be for a while when this person told me their decision surprisingly I felt very at peace even though we're very close I think my relationship with God has evolved into a much more trusting relationship. One that I know, I just know he loves all his children. And she is so right. This week's topic is when loved ones leave the church. I'm sure that all of us have had this experience to some degree or another. And I have grown up in a family where everyone was active as kids. Even when my oldest brother, um, who was married at a very young age at 17 to another LDS young woman who was 17, um, here in California, they were active too and reared the children in the gospel of Jesus Christ. But what's happened as the years have passed on is that many of us have fell away and many of us journeyed out into the world to live life, I guess, kind of on our own terms and our naivete and ignorance. We used our agency and made choices that put us on a particular path. And some of us have stayed there, whereas others found their conversion story complete in the experiences and have returned with a fierce fire for the gospel. I have four brothers. One died in 1992 when he was 25, and he was strong in the faith. Having returned from a mission in Montana, he found that he had cancer. Um, He quickly passed on and the four of us were left. My eldest brother has remained in the faith, persevering and enduring. And my second youngest brother, who is about two and a half years younger than me, is having a faith crisis even right now. It's actually been going on for a little while. Um, Although he loves the gospel in many aspects of it, there are just some things he himself cannot get past. Without going into too much detail, He has had his own demons to hammer through and some pride issues to manage and learn from. He has inspired me, though, to be tenacious and determined with my faith as I have watched him struggle. It has actually helped me to root my faith in the firm foundation of Jesus Christ and to strive after this with great conviction as I see my family around me seem to easily leave and take their own path. To me, it may seem that the decision was easy and possibly careless. However, I'm sure there's more to it than I know, which is why it's so important for us to reserve judgment and to leave that between them and the Lord. Once again, we love and serve people into the gospel. So my youngest brother hasn't been active in the church his adult life. However, he has much going on in his life that I've observed is humbling him. And he's finding emotion when the gospel is presented to him. He has inspired my life by witnessing firsthand 
the tenderness of the workings of the Spirit of God with him. And I am so very grateful for these witness opportunities. This past week, he, my younger brother, by about seven years, had a health crisis, and he needed a blessing, a priesthood blessing immediately. And it was through this blessing that we witnessed the most humility in him about the gospel in a very long time, yet he still doesn't run out and embrace it. We saw that he was moved spiritually, and that was evidenced by the tears brimming his eyes, um, and that he felt the Spirit of God. I know that we hear stories often about people who make course corrections immediately and with great haste feeling the internal hearkening that can be placed within us by the Spirit of God, even the Holy Ghost, they just come back and everything seems to be okay. Um, But I think more often than not, when people come back to the church, it's these slow, time-consuming processes and we must be patient. We have to continue to be patient and to love them into the gospel. Uh, We don't talk about the gospel much, my brothers and I, um, but when the Spirit moves me to remind him that he isn't forgotten, I always follow the Spirit, and I do. It's the obedience to these promptings that have truly, truly, truly blessed my life and his life. It also bonds us through the experience as he knows the church is the organized church of Jesus Christ on earth. So he's very respectful and open, yet he still doesn't jump right in with both feet. I read once in one of my many personal study sessions that we do not want to interrupt the conversion process. If we rush it, they will not stick and they will not prevail. If we encourage, if we love them into the gospel and act on the prompt and the promptings that we receive, That is where the tiny, small steps happen, as it's necessary to learn the gospel in small bites, instead of stuffing the whole enchilada in your brain, heart, and spirit. And this is why we're taught that knowledge comes line upon line, precept upon precept, and experience upon experience. I found a talk in the April General Conference um, from 2002. Richard G. Scott gave a spirit-filled talk titled, Full Conversion Brings Happiness. And here is some of what he had to say. Converted means to turn from one belief or course of action to another. Conversion is a spiritual and moral change. Converted implies not merely mental acceptance of Jesus and his teachings, but also a motivating faith in him and his gospel. A faith which works a transformation an actual change in one's understanding of life's meaning and in his allegiance to God in interest, in thought, and in conduct. And one who is really wholly converted, desire for things contrary to the gospel of Jesus Christ has actually died, and substituted therefore as a love of God with a fixed and controlling determination to keep his commandments." To be converted, you must remember to apply diligently in your life the key words, a love of God with a fixed and controlling determination to keep his commandments. Your happiness now and forever is conditioned on your degree of conversion and the transformation that it brings to your life. How then can you become truly converted? And President Romney describes a few steps. Again, this is in that same talk. 
Membership in the church and conversion are not necessarily synonymous. Being converted and having a testimony are not necessarily the same thing either. A testimony comes when the Holy Ghost gives the earnest seeker a witness of the truth. A moving testimony vitalizes faith. That is, it induces repentance and obedience to the commandments. Conversion is the fruit or the reward for repentance and obedience. And stated quite simply, true conversion is the fruit of faith, repentance, and consistent obedience. Faith comes by hearing the word of God and responding to it. You will receive from the Holy Ghost a confirming witness of things you accept on faith by willingly doing them. And you will be led to repent of errors resulting from wrong things done or right things not done. As a consequence, your capacity to consistently obey will be strengthened. And this cycle of faith, repentance, and consistent obedience will lead you to greater conversion with its attendant blessings. True conversion will strengthen your capacity to do what you know you should do, when you should do it, regardless of the circumstances. And true conversion yields the fruit of enduring happiness that can be enjoyed even when the world is in turmoil and most are anything but happy. Of a group of individuals in difficulty, the Book of Mormon teaches, They did fast and pray oft and did wax stronger and stronger in their humility, and firmer and firmer in the faith of Christ, unto the filling their souls with joy and consolation, yea, even to the purifying and the sanctification of their hearts, which sanctification cometh because of their yielding their hearts unto God. And that President Hinckley actually declared that it is true conversion that makes the difference. To receive the blessings promised from true conversion, we need to make the changes that we know are necessary, that are needed in our lives. The Savior said in 3 Nephi chapter 9, verses 13 to 14, Will ye not now return unto me and repent of your sins and be converted, that I may heal you? If ye will come unto me, ye shall have eternal life. Recently, a family member of mine who is in his late 30s came to visit and he served um, his mission in Argentina. Uh, so he was born and raised in the church. And since his return home, he's left the church. I believe he has had his name removed from the records as well. And he has had a mighty struggle from a failing marriage to difficult custody battles, which inevitably has led to harsh feelings and thoughts of self-harm and even, sad to say, suicide. But thankfully, he didn't follow through on these thoughts. Um, He did suffer greatly because of his decisions from whom he married to having four children very, very quickly, which put a, a huge burden and strain on the marriage and himself to leaving the gospel of Jesus Christ and now even not believing in organized religion. The greatest part about this is that he and I have cemented our relationship in love and affection for one another through the years as he was growing up. You see, I'm only about 10 years older than him, and I remember the day very vividly that he was born. I was standing in the lunch line in my elementary school, and the uh, secretary came over and said that the baby was a boy. And that day I became his auntie. It's through this love for one another that we can speak openly about our feelings, experiences, even our opinions, and the conclusions that we have surmised through our experiences. 
I have found that God does not abandon his children, even the most rebellious of children. And we have learned this in the scriptures from the prodigal son to Alma Jr. to Saul, who became Paul and many more. My family member is surviving and thriving, thankfully, and I'm so grateful that God in his utter perfect wisdom works with him and continues to bring him joy, even in the midst of this lost path that he finds himself on. But he doesn't realize himself that he's so lost as he strives to reconcile his many spiritual experiences in his life and the experiences that he had on his mission. I think it's difficult to leave the church when you've been uh, given so much knowledge and have learned immensely from the Holy Ghost. We have had wonderful discussions since he's been here about where he's at spiritually. And you know what? He is struggling to reconcile the many wonderful spiritual experiences that he's had over the duration of his life and with his current ever-evolving and fluid beliefs. And he is looking, and unfortunately he doesn't see that he has already found God, Christ, and their kingdom here on earth. Last week I answered some questions in an episode that was a Q&A you asked I answered. And these questions were sent to me, and in that episode I spoke about using the gospel and our love to control others out of our sincere desire and oftentimes the desperation that we feel to help them find their way back onto that straight path and iron rod, which is the word of God. It's not good to use the gospel or our love to control and dictate others, especially children, into the gospel of Jesus Christ. What I have learned from personal experience is that as these children become adults, they feel as if they were forced to do these things in their lives and that they weren't given a choice or maybe from the peer pressure they have felt from living in the LDS culture that is prevalent in Utah. Um, there are so many great and wonderful people in Utah, but there is this stigma with Utah saints. I do have a number of family members that live there. They've all talked about it. We've had Utah missionaries come here to Ventura County uh, for their missions, and they've talked about it and noticed the difference. Um, and I'm, they seem to put undue pressure on others, the saints in Utah, to do what is typically expected and required and through these expectations, I think people tend to buckle and they become people pleasers because of the peer pressure that they feel. And then they become bitter as they get older and they start to get hardened. Now, I'm not saying this is exclusive to Utah LDS saints. Um, I just don't understand this culture in Utah and the things that I continue to hear. And I'm assuming that it's, there's got to be some truth to it because there's a lot of commonalities that are coming from different people with different backgrounds and um, that aren't even related to me. So I, I know for one thing um, that is very toxic and poisonous is the gossiping and the judging. We simply have to stop doing that within the church. I have had an experience with it. I've seen it happen. And when I've been in a position to be a part of it, I smile and bow out of the group. I wish I had guts to say maybe we probably shouldn't be discussing this. But I don't. And I'm trying to learn to be better at that. I have seen judgmental, um, just being so judging and um, gossiping and... All of that negativity work its toxic poison on members of my family and other people within my ward. Um, how have I overcome it? I've overcome it by ignoring it. Just like we ignore Lucifer, we know he is there. 
We know that he is the opposition that we must have in this earthly proving ground and experience. Um, But that doesn't mean that we have to pay attention to him. We don't have to give him space in our minds. And I am determined to not allow him to have any control of my life whatsoever, just the best I can. Um, The same principle applies to, and I'm determined not to allow anyone to interfere with my path home. I go to church, I serve, I do the podcast, I'm a ward missionary, I teach seminary, and I work for tirelessly and endlessly for my family and their eternal salvation and everything else I do because the Lord has asked it of me. Because I trust God and I trust Christ, I trust the Holy Ghost and I trust them with all my heart and with my whole being because I know it will give me an invaluable education and also necessary experience that will bless my life. And I live to serve God at this time in my life. This is the attitude that we must have when we inevitably deal with difficult relationships or situations that we will have in the church of Jesus Christ because we are all so imperfect and we are supposed to be imperfect. That's part of the plan. We're supposed to be flawed. It's in the imperfection and flaws of others and ourselves that we find the teachings of Christ and the value of all that the gospel has to offer. So there was a talk given back in 2002 by Sister Ellen Smoot, and it's titled Developing Inner Strength. And she asks in this talk opening, how do you and I become so converted to the truth, so full of faith, so dependent on God that we are able to meet trials and even be strengthened by them? And she goes on to share a story of a woman named Susanna. Susanna had borrowed a mirror to make herself more presentable. She was going somewhere doing something and she did not have a mirror. Um, Susanna has said, I shall never forget how I looked. Some of my old friends did not even know me. Having sold her own mirror to an Indian for a piece of buffalo meat, she had not spent much time looking at herself. Now, she did not recognize her own image. She was a different person, both inside and out. Over the course of rocky ridges and extreme hardship came a deep conviction. Her faith had been tried and her conversion was concrete. She had been refined in ways that the very best mirror could not reflect. Susanna had prayed for strength and found it deep within her soul. We all truly must give the same tenacity and conviction if we have a hope of surviving and returning home with our family and loved ones, with God and Christ and the Holy Ghost who love us so, so very much. I mean, their sole goal and all of their marvelous work is to bring us home. And this plan of salvation truly is amazing. And I'm so grateful for this plan that helps me to see and to feel how much my Father in Heaven loves me and how much He loves you how much he loves each of us. Returning to the story of my family member, his mom in particular used the gospel in his life to control him. And it was very unfortunate. She used it to get him to do the things that she felt he must do. And the consequences of that is that he had a disdain for organized religion. We must be vigilant that we do not use the gospel of Jesus Christ to unrighteously control those around us or to use our love. 
A story I read recently in the digital version of the Liahona talks about a returned missionary who came home and found his brother no longer attending church, and he was absolutely shocked. He had an immediate desire to help any way he could as he didn't know his brother nor their relationship without this in common, their mutual love for the gospel of Jesus Christ. He found that his desire to help his brother was so, so much harder. Teaching strangers, you see, he was easily able to respect their agency and their decisions to not embrace the gospel by consoling himself that he had at least planted a seed. And maybe one day another missionary will come along and complete the conversion process and teachings. But with his brother, he could not control his emotions the same way, nor his desire to say, what the heck are you doing? Do you not understand the decision you've made and the consequences of this decision? How could you do this? Thankfully, he knew sharing these thoughts and being so open about his feelings would do more harm than good. So he went to his room and he hit his knees to pray. He even fasted and he did all he could do with the spiritual tools that we have been given to work in our favor and in the favor of our family and in the favor of his brother spiritually. They are still close to this day. They spend lots of time together. And although they may not talk about the gospel, they can find common ground in their love for one another and the patience and long suffering that this return missionary exercises uh, truly one day will touch the heart of his sibling and work mighty miracles. We must love and serve people into the gospel always. And I do believe that patience and long suffering is the greatest way to touch people's hearts. As time goes on, I do believe that the spirit helps them to identify and recognize that. Um, so some things that I've learned again from this article in the April digital version of the Liahona this year, this gentleman shares some things that he's learned about staying strong when, when we have family members who choose to leave the gospel. Number one is that we need to remember that everyone has their agency and that it is, isn't our fault if someone leaves the church. It really isn't. It's not like you haven't done something or you didn't do it enough. This is their agency, their choice. Number two, strengthen your relationship with them. Always, always, always show them love. Try not to let their relationship with the church affect your relationship with them. Number three, spend time together doing things that you both enjoy. Number four, although you can't make choices for other people, you can be an example and support them. Number five, pray. We believe in the power of prayer and modern day revelation. Pray about the situation. Heavenly Father knows his children, so you can be sure that he will know best how to help you get through this. Number six, search the scriptures. Examples from the scriptures helped me a lot, and I realized that my situation is fairly common. Even in the scriptures, many families had one or more people who didn't believe or were even against the church. But their family still showed love toward them. And this even happened to Joseph Smith. Um, Next, we should talk openly about how we feel 
with our family members who are active in the gospel. Um, they might have similar thoughts and they might need someone to share with as well. So we need to be there for each other and help one another. And finally, do not, please do not neglect your own spirituality. That is so very important. We must be in it every day. We have to keep our testimony strong. When people close to us leave the church, it can be so challenging for our faith, especially if the person who left is someone that we looked up to. You might begin to question certain areas of your testimony. I know that I struggled a little bit with questions, you know, when I had family members leave as well. But that's why it's so important to look after ourselves and our testimony. If we build and maintain our own testimony, we don't need to fear what choices others make because we are prepared and we are ready. Please remember that we're all susceptible to having our faith weakened, even if we don't work to strengthen it. Most people don't go from being strong one day to leaving the church the next. But if you forget to do the little things to strengthen your testimony every day, you might find yourself drifting further and further away from the gospel without even really knowing it or recognizing it. Going back to the basics like studying your scriptures, praying daily, and performing all those small acts of faith and worship can have a powerful influence on your testimony. And above all, if your loved one leaving the church is affecting your own testimony and causing doubts or questions in your mind, please remember this, and this is wise advice from our elders. Doubt your doubts before you doubt your faith and hold fast to what you already know. I think it's important for young adults and, you know, really everybody, um, but young adults in particular, to have a plan for their life, like knowing where they want to go and what they want to do. But we need to ponder and include the Lord in those plans and in our daily lives. It can be hard to do when we have so many other responsibilities each day, but we can always make time for Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ. And if we do that, we will always be able to withstand the storms of life. Um, it's like the scripture, Romans chapter 8, verse 31. If God be for us, who can be against us? President Russell M. Nelson has taught, We won't be able to, in the coming days, survive spiritually without the Spirit and receiving personal revelation for our own lives. I've always known that receiving personal revelation is important. But I haven't always been the best at seeking it. And I know that I can do better at inviting the Spirit into my life each day. Personal revelation is just as it describes. It's personal. And we can begin learning how the Lord speaks to us by asking Him for help and recognizing His voice and His hand in our lives. And He is truly the best teacher. We can't always control the actions of others, especially when it comes to matters of strengthening our faith or living the gospel. But I know that even if those we love most in the world have challenges of faith, that when we prioritize God and follow his will and strive to hear him, we will always be blessed with answers, with a strong testimony, and with the spiritual revelation we need to keep following me actually following him. And the greatest invitation that we've been given is to come follow me, Christ. We are taught in this gospel that we can have hope in Christ. We are even taught that God sees us 
as his fearless children. So we need to be fearless in our lives. And this is can very much be a hard truth. This truth and teaching can try even the best of us. But the truth remains the truth. The answer is still the correct answer. Be fearless. When we believe, when we lay hold upon the word, that is when the mighty miracles of God and Christ work in our lives and the lives of those that we truly love and care about. Remember, there are plenty of opportunities to missionary in the hereafter. God and Christ reach out repeatedly and often. They will not give up on us and we shouldn't give up on our loved ones who have left the gospel in the church. Let us always be an example of the believers and lead through our examples. Love them into righteousness and encourage them to the firm foundation that is found in Jesus Christ and all that he has to offer. My wish is that the Spirit has been able to work with you and your heart and your spirit this day to strengthen you, to edify you, to uplift, to help you grow that faith foundation, to stay firmly rooted and unwavering, and the gospel of Jesus Christ is found in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I leave this with you in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. As always, stay safe, stay healthy, and please stay faithful. And remember to be kind, for everyone you meet is truly fighting a hard battle. Until next week, God bless, and thanks again for joining us and your loving support.